It's Jess's Journeys time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Wednesday and we are still journeying through Jordan. Last week's episode, I took you to the lowest point on earth. We are back at this lowest point for this week's episode. Now, what are we doing back at the Dead Sea, you may ask? Well, we are going to take a run, a journey, 242 kilometers, 150 something miles, back to Aqaba, where we started. This race is an international ultramarathon known as the Dead to Red. The Dead Sea to the Red Sea. And uh, I have completed this race, I am very proud to say. I have completed this ultramarathon, something that I never even knew about until I arrived in Jordan, never even contemplated running a marathon, much less an ultramarathon. So let me tell you how this story went. I arrived in Jordan um, to Aqaba, um, And the first day I arrived, I was told that I was going to be taken to the um, finish line of the Dead to Red because some of the students um, had entered the race, uh, the school had entered the race. I was teaching in a school in Jordan and um, they were finishing the race that morning. It was an overnight race. So I was intrigued. I thought, ooh, what's going on here? Overnight race, students running, what's this all about? had no clue. So 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm taken down to the finish line and we're there waiting. And, you know, I'm introduced to a couple of members of the, of the, the teaching staff who are also there waiting to cheer the students on. And I'm slightly confused. I'm trying to check out my surroundings and look at what's happening. And everybody's going mad as the teams come through the finishing line. And I still have no clue what this race is or what it means or why it's so important. But I'm there and I'm, you know, observing. And eventually the school team comes through and I look at these children and they are bedraggled. They look like they have been through 17 hedges backwards, forwards, sideways and upside down. They are a mess. And I'm looking at them thinking, wow, (laughs) what happened to them? And um, that was my first introduction to the Dead Surrett. And um, the students who I potentially would be teaching. And I was like, hmm, this is going to be a very interesting journey. So... We move on from there. That was my first ever day in Aqaba. And that was my first introduction to the Dead to Red. So this race happens usually in the second week of March. And uh, come the September, when um, school reopened, one of the students who had run the race in March came into my classroom and said, Miss Jess, Will you run the Dead to Red with us this year? And I flippantly said, yeah, of course I will. Not thinking anything of it. Just, you know, I just said it and thought, okay, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll do the training. I'll, I'll participate and we'll, we'll do this race. Again, still not having the full understanding of what this race meant. 
and how far of a distance it was. So, actually, I've just recalled it. That was the end of school. So that was July. September, we get back to school. September, we get back to school. Yes. And uh, my student wanders into my classroom. He said, Miss Jess, remember, we're going to run the Dead to Red this this year and I was like yeah yeah we're definitely doing that so what's happening with the training in my oblivion I am under the oppression that we're going to have a trainer you know we're going to you know have you know nutritional advice etc etc lo and behold Miss Jess is the trainer Miss Jess is the nutritional advice so I create this whole program of training for the students and for myself. And um, we begin training. We begin training, I think it was in October. Might have been at the end of September. And we begin this training. And I start out with about 20 students who are really committed and they want to do it. And they, you know, they're actually, you know, really enthusiastic and they're turning up to training. And I say, you know, I've explained that we are going to, you know, go through the training and we're going to, you know, make sure that, you know, the people that are committed. And at the end, we are going to choose eight students who have been committed and show the most progress in their training and the most talent because we want to do well in the race. So it's eight students and two teachers, 10 person team that are allowed to run the race. No two members of the team are allowed outside of the van um, whilst um, the race is taking place. So only one member of the team can run at a time. I'm going to explain this to you in more detail as we get along with the story. So I train these students. I'm literally waking up at five o'clock in the morning, running halfway to school, taking a taxi the other half of the way. Bear in mind, Aqaba's not that big. I just wasn't, I couldn't run all the way there because I wasn't fast enough yet. So I would take a taxi. I would get to school at six o'clock. I would train these students for an hour and then I would go home, get dressed and go back to work for the whole day. Um... Friday and Saturday are actually the weekend in Jordan. I'd have the students coming to um, my house on a Friday, not to my actual house, but to where I lived so that we could practice hill sprints, running up the hill, because most of the race, as you can imagine, if you start at the lowest point on earth, is uphill. So most of the race is uphill. So we had to do these hill sprints. I had to get them used to running uphill. I had them on a, on a strict nutritional plan, no pizzas, no shawarmas, their favourite foods, and they were committed. Eventually, we whittled it down to the last, I think it was 10 or 12, who managed to stay the course and continue with the training. And um, it was time to decide to pick the final eight. And this is where I got in trouble. I actually got reported to the King of Jordan because one of our students was um, the son of a commander in the army and I didn't choose him to run with the school team and that turned into the most enormous drama ever and I got reported to the king. He still ended up running the race, just not with the school team. And um, yeah, that was that was very interesting because I had to then go back and write down the criteria of who was chosen and why, the attendance, it was... The, the, their parents complained. His mum actually worked at the school as well. She was like, 
parents were not talking to me because I hadn't chosen their child. It was, it was very serious, very serious stuff. But anyway, off we went. We named our team um, Dora, Dora's the, Dora the Explorers. Well, we were all our own names, so I was just the Explorers. And um, yes, we named our team. We had our team T-shirts printed up and we got down there. The race starts at about four o'clock in the afternoon because obviously we're in the heat. We can't run in the 30 odd degree heat. So, um, you know, we got down there at four o'clock in the afternoon. The race started. And so we had two vans. One van was the rest van and one van was the run van. So what happened was five members of our team would go into the run van and they would run for an hour. Each person was allowed, one person was allowed out of the van at a time to run a particular amount of time. So we would run for two or three minutes and then get back into the van. And those five people would circulate throughout an hour. Then they would change out with the people that were in the rest van. And that's how it went. The last 500 metres of the race, all the team are allowed out to finish the line, finish through the finish line together. I don't even know how I made it across that finish line. I'm going to let you know because I was devastated by the end of that race. Unfortunately, during our race, um, the other teacher managed to injure himself within the first 10 minutes. So he was out of the race completely. So that left us with nine. Four of the others managed to get some type of food poisoning, so were actually sick and, and ill. So there was only five of us that were able to continue the race throughout. We made the race. I think we've still got the fastest time for the school in 19 and a half hours, which I'm super, super proud of. Um... And it was an amazing experience. I absolutely loved it. I literally had to drag myself across the finish line. Um, I don't know how I did it. The, the burst of adrenaline and euphoria when we actually finished, I was dancing, I was singing, I was doing all kinds of crazy things. I was so filled with adrenaline just from finishing after 19 and a half hours of running. And obviously the five of us that were not ill or injured managed to run more of the race than everybody else. So me, the oldest person on the team, actually ran more of, more of the race than some of the others, which was, which was really interesting. But I did it. It's an accomplishment that I'm super, super proud of. I trained the team and we did it and we got the fastest time that the school has had so far. And I'm really, really proud of myself. So there you go. We have now journeyed from the Dead Sea back to the Red Sea on my wonderful Dead to Red journey. I will show you how it's done. No, I actually won't show you how it's done. But if you ever get a chance, look it up. The Dead to Red race is an international ultra marathon. There's also a cycling Dead to Red race as well. And um, it's a really, really fascinating um, journey. And the most amazing thing of running through the desert in the middle of the night or at three o'clock in the morning and just hearing absolute perfect silence as your footfall hits the ground. It's most one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had. And if you ever have the desire, definitely run the dead to red. But it is not for the faint hearted. So be warned. Thanks for listening and join me next week for our final 
journey in Jordan. <laughs>